On April 1st, the government of Canada issued details behind the 75% wage subsidy that brought their total economic measures to over $105 billion to support Canadian businesses through the COVID-19 pandemic. It is April 8th, and the federal government just announced a series of adjustments and modifications to the wage subsidy program. In today's podcast, we will take a look at some of these modifications. This podcast is brought to you by Dentons, the world's largest law firm with a global team that builds agile, tailored solutions to meet the local, national, and global needs of private and public clients of any size in 183 locations serving 75 countries. Before we begin this podcast, please note that anything discussed or said on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. Welcome everyone to the Tax Insight Podcast by Dentons. I'm your host, Chris Young, and I'm joined by Keith Hennel, lead partner for a tax practice group in Edmonton, and Gergay Hegedush, senior tax associate lawyer in the Edmonton office as well. Thank you both for taking this last minute request to join the podcast. Hi, Chris. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. All right. We've got lots to digest here in a very short amount of time, but it looks like the federal government has received a lot of feedback from the business community about the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy Program over the last week. I remember when we recorded our podcast last week thinking that uh, many businesses who are in desperate need of the program actually may not qualify based on some of the eligibility requirements outlined by the finance minister. So, uh, Gergay, let's get started with some of these changes. The first one uh, let's tackle here is calculating revenue loss, because that seems to be a big uh, eligibility requirement for this program. Yeah, so previously the government had announced that employers would have to have a reduction of 30% of gross revenues as compared with uh, the same period uh, for the last year. So, for for example, for March 2020, they'd have to have a reduction of 30% revenues as compared to March 2019. However, now the government has announced that they've reduced the, the threshold for the period of March uh, alone from 30 to 15%. So now if businesses have a 15% reduction in gross revenues between March 2020 and March 2019, then they can qualify for the subsidy. Now, it seems like thereafter, month to month, it's still based on 30%. Is that correct, Gergay? Yeah, that's correct. In April and May, the requirement is still to have a 30% reduction in gross revenues. Okay. I should say that the government has also uh, added another criteria. And under certain circumstances, businesses can compare their gross revenues for each period to the average of their gross revenues for January and February 2020 instead of the previous year. Companies will now have, or businesses will now have the option of choosing whether they want to do the year-over-year comparison or the comparison with uh, gross revenues in January and February of 2020. But once they choose one method, they'll have to stick to that method for the uh, other periods as well. Okay. But it does give them a little bit of flexibility, at least at at the onset, to to establish how they want to calculate it. Exactly. It does give them, them some flexibility. Okay. Uh, Keith, what about charities and not-for-profits? Well, there was some some issues with charities and, and not-for-profits in terms of how they would actually show or calculate a, a revenue drop because uh, um, a lot of them are, are you know, reliant on government donations and funding and whatnot. So the, the government today clarified that the draft legislation will propose that um, to allow not-for-profits and charities the option of whether or not to include revenue from government sources as part of the calculation of the, the gross revenue drop. So 
And again, with the other changes that uh, Gary mentioned, once once that not-for-profit or charity chooses a method, uh, whether to allow, you know, to include or not include some government, uh, the government source um, revenue, they have to continue to apply that approach um, throughout the program period. The same is also true for the choice of accounting methods. Now, the government's indicated that there will be some flexibility in which accounting methods that employers can use. They can now, it seems, choose either a cash accounting method or accrual accounting method and but once again once they choose which one of the methods they'll be stuck with that method for the remainder of the uh, subsidy period yeah and that's one of the a lot of my contacts in the accounting world i think this was a big one that they've been keeping an eye on is is what method do we use to uh are we using to calculate this revenue drop Uh, are there any keith are there any special rules that are being expected to be applied in this uh when we take a look at the various accounting methods yeah, we're going to probably see, and the, the government also announced that um, special rules will rules will be provided to address issue for uh, issues with respect to corporate groups, non-arms length entities, and joint ventures. So you have a lot of complicated business structures out there and professional corporations, and maybe weren't caught in this program um, just because of the way the the operations and employees were all uh, aligned in the corporate group. It looks like the government has heard uh, the business uh, community um, with this concern and they're going to address it. How, how that will look, we don't know, but there'll be likely some allowances for those types of entities. Gergay, for eligible employees, I know prior we had talked about whether they're hiring, companies are hiring them back or, you know, they've been laid off or they've taken a bit of wage reduction. They had some clarification on eligibility period for employees. Can you comment on that? Yeah, it seems like now they've released some clarity in terms of eligible employees, and it looks like it'll this subsidy will be limited to employees that have not been without remuneration for more than 14 consecutive days in the eligibility period. And I think the purpose of that is so that it doesn't um, overlap with the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. I think if, if someone qualifies for the, the CERB, then they'll get that. But if they don't, then their employee will be able to get the subsidy. Right. Yeah, I know there was a lot of contention there, like double dipping and how do you prevent that? So it seems like this measure will will address that, at least on the surface. Yeah, that's right. And it, it, and they have stated that if someone has been receiving the CERB, it seems like that they'll be able to repay that amount and, and the employer will be able to claim the subsidy in that case. Now, another interesting, uh, I, I'm assuming this is more of an addition, is, is this refund for certain employer paid contributions? Can you guys comment on that? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, Chris. So they announced proposing to expand the uh, Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy by uh, introducing a new 100% refund for the uh, certain employer-paid contributions to EICPP, the Quebec Pension Plan and Quebec Parental Insurance uh, Plan. And so the refund proposes will cover 100% of the employer-paid contributions uh, for eligible employees for each week throughout which the employee was on leave with pay. Again, and the refund wouldn't be subject, it appears, to the weekly maximum benefit per employee. And for greater certainty, uh, it says that the employers would be required to continue to collect and remit the employer and employee contributions, um, you know, the, the withholdings as in the normal course. But the eligible employers would be able to apply for a refund in the same manner as the, the wage subsidy to get 100% of their the employer portion of the of those um, CPPEI um, withholdings back. Gergay, I know we this was a big one. I kept asking you guys on the last podcast was about compliance and you know some hev- heavy handed penalties. I know they don't want anybody to abuse the system. Uh, we've got a little bit more clarification of what those penalties look like. Uh, can you comment on what was announced today? 
Yeah, so the government specifically stated that uh, for employers that engage in artificial transactions to reduce their revenues for the purpose of claiming the subsidy, uh, they'll be subject to a penalty of up of equal to 25% of the value of the subsidy in addition to having to repay the subsidy. So quite a well, quite a bit, I guess, in, in addition to repaying you know, that subsidy's got a penalty now dollar amount to that. Yeah, I think it can add it up quickly for a large employer. Yeah, absolutely. Gurge, the last on our list here is interaction with the work sharing program. Uh, what have we found out about that? So it sounds like for employers and employees that are participating in the work sharing program, uh, the EI benefits received by employees will reduce the benefit that it, the their employer is entitled to receive under the subsidy. I think there are many more changes to come, to be honest with you guys. You know, the government, I guess, is doing their best to try to figure this out and try to deal with this unprecedented situation affecting our country. Uh, for those listeners who have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to both Keith and Gerge. Their contact information is noted below. Make sure to follow our podcast so that every time we upload a new episode, you will get notified. Keith, Gerge, thanks for joining. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. And for our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in and stay safe and stay healthy. Mm-hmm.